The Elephant in the Room podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Elephant in the Room. I'm Mars. And I am Eladia. And we are very excited to present to you guys our very first episode. It feels like it's taken us forever. It has. It's because it's taken us forever. <laughs> but we're finally here. How good does it feel? I'm so excited. I know. Me too. You know what I want to sort of stop doing? What? Saying guys. I do that so often. Have I just said guys? No, I said oh, guys. okay. I was like, I've probably done it and not uh, even realized. Note to self. Stop saying guys. Mental note. Probably forget in five seconds, but that's fine. We'll try. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. <laughs> Yeah. How was your weekend? It Tell was, me all about it. You oh, went to the beach. Oh. It was so good. It was so wholesome. Yeah. I mean, I use that word because it really felt that way. You were so, glowing, by the way. Oh, thank you. I'll tell you what. This was the very first trip as a family of three. Mm. And so we went to the Monday markets. Then we headed up to Noosa Head. You know what? Babies and sand. <laughs> I'm so nervous because Mateo, like any child, puts everything in his mouth. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how much sand did she eat? Oh my goodness. So this was the first time playing with playing in sand. And I told Kyle, Kyle, she's going to eat sand. I'm really nervous. And Kyle's like, that's fine. You know what? She'll eat it and she won't like it and she won't do it again. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. You know what? That's fine. Let her. No, she, she's a wild child. She, she loved it. and She, she loves... loved it. She she put it in her mouth and she goes. <gasps> By the way, for those people who don't know, she put it in her mouth and then she, like she's tasting it and she's enjoying it and she went for seconds and then she, she went for seconds. <laughs> and here I'm like, oh my goodness! Now I'm gonna have to protect her from one more thing, sand. I I don't know how much sand is good, but she had a lot. But so many people have sand pits. So how would they like? Uh, maybe just... the kids are older and they're yeah. not so, oh my goodness but I'm so worried she had just way too much sand <laughs> and you can sometimes you know get a little bit dramatic when Eliza does certain things it's because she's my first baby and I am I'm like one of those nervous mums where I would really want to give her her space to explore but I have been blessed with a very very wild wild child <laughs> yes well you were a wild child you still are, you know, sometimes I'm a bit wild. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my weekend. But no, and otherwise, um, you know, uh, it was nice. Uh, Kyle and Eliza literally fell asleep to the actual sound of waves. And then what I did was a favor to myself. I put my phone away. Mm. And whilst they were sleeping for the 45 minutes, I just stand outside, sit, sort. I just sat outside the tent my phone was away and I was just playing with the sand Mm. watching kids play watching the sun watching the beach just taking it all in reflecting and you know thinking about all the things that I sort of wanted to change in my life actually that reminds me of on Sunday when you messaged me and I said that I was at my sister's place I woke up that morning and just felt like I just needed some me time. And when you share how you were just sitting there for 45 minutes, that sounds like what I needed. Felt like I needed when I woke up. As a mum, like you just, 
you get touched out and you can't relax in your own home. Well, personally, I can't because Sunday morning we didn't have any plans. We're just going to chill. But I'm lying on the day bed and I'm staring at the floors or the kitchen thinking about the laundry or I can hear Mateo. And I just couldn't relax. So I literally just got in the car and drove to my sister's place. And just, was it just you? Just me. Oh, wow. Yep. That so when you texted, so I was like, I'm not... I'm actually not in a rush to come back home. Yeah. <laughs> I was just cruising by myself. That's really nice. So, shall we get into our first episode? Yes, I'm so excited. Ooh. Just before we continue, this episode might be triggering to some people as it is related to pregnancy with fibroids, premature birth and NICU stay. Please consider this before listening to this episode. <laughs> Okay, so let's start from the very beginning. Let's tell our dear listeners how the name came about. So the name came about because we were constantly saying to each other, oh my gosh, I was never told this. Why is this not talked about? I feel so grateful that we found that name and that it worked out for us and it was available um, because I feel like it just explains so perfectly what we are here to talk about. Like, how many times did we say, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. I wish this was talked about more. Why isn't this talked about more? Exactly. In all of our exactly. That's exactly how I felt. Mm. I mean, the, um, the first thing that shocked me after having Eliza was the postpartum hair loss. And I just remember telling you, oh my God, my hair is falling it's out of control and then you said yes I had hair fall too I feel like I lost half of my hair like literally all ringlets at the front of my head like it yeah and it changed my confidence as well because how my hair like how I style it it just it just changes my whole face and it's something that we just have to get used to and roll with absolutely and it is such a small thing right it It is is so minuscule it is minuscule (laughs) in the big scheme of things but we both realized that no one told us about it and we have so many friends who are mums who have had kids our own mothers yeah I mean, thanks, mom. I know. Thank you, mom. <laughs> it's not what it looks like on Instagram, is it? No, no. no. Instagram is this big, beautiful, rose tinted facade. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially our own personal stories, like me having Matteo at 28 weeks, him being in hospital for 10 weeks, you with your diabetes and pregnancy journey, like, you are the first person that I spoke to who had a preemie baby. But it is such a common thing. You know, mm. there are so many preemie babies. I mean, Eliza was slightly premature by a few days, but mm. she was still she still had to be in NICU for five days. And I remember the anxiety. I had so much anxiety. I was a mess. And I have a beautiful support of, you know, amazing girlfriends. However, not every mum has that support. I remember when I was sitting there, my um, water broke and I was in hospital. And the doctor said, um, okay, like we'll come back and check in on you at 3 p.m. And I go, wait, so when can I go home though? And they said, no, no, you're having the 
you're not leaving him without having a baby. I'm digressing here, but yeah, it was a lot. It was oh. a lot. And you would have felt so alone as well. I felt so alone in the whole journey because with COVID, it was only parents that could be in the NICU. And my partner was at work. So I'd be sitting there alone with my baby, just crying. Everyone's telling me it's going to be okay, but they weren't in my shoes. And I felt that. And I was just like, I just wanted to be sad. Yes. (laughs) You know? And you are allowed to be sad. So um, I really want to talk more about your NICU story. But I was hoping we could give our listeners a little bit of introduction of how we met because we weren't friends before we had our babies. No, we were not. (laughs) And Do you want to share the story? I would love (laughs) to. So I live really far (laughs) from all my friends. And I was really you know lonely it was COVID times um people couldn't come over and visit and you want a girlfriend you want to talk to other moms anyway so I really was craving some mom time I I just I was craving some friendship I was craving some conversations with somebody other than my husband and I was looking online how to make friends as a new mom and peanut app came up on my web search and it said it's basically tinder for mums it is the weirdest feeling isn't it like swiping against women that you want to be friends with it was just like i guess that is modern day right <laughs> i i think it's brilliant actually because you can choose how close or how far the people can be mm-hmm. and um i remember swiping left and right mm-hmm. and I felt like I was judging other and people that's not the intention right I was more like oh I could be friends with you I want to be friends with you based off photos it's so strange it was literally tinder for mums yes and I remember I was specifically looking for mums with kids who were literally just one month difference to my baby mm. Because I wanted someone who I could share realistic expectations. And on my end, I was swiping and I saw your profile photo, which was literally in the park across the road from my house. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's literally in my estate. We have to be friends. I know. (laughs) How convenient. I couldn't believe that I was able to make a friend who lives literally two houses across insane and then we started talking and it wasn't long until we met up common phrase that we would share is holy crap I had no idea about that why is no one talking about this I wish somebody told me about this especially breastfeeding hey I could I was shocked at how challenging your breastfeeding journey was it is very difficult however I know one of my girlfriend did say breastfeeding is very difficult and in my head I thought but how (laughs) how difficult could it really be exactly and you don't really understand how difficult it is until you try it Mm. so tell me a bit more about your pregnancy was it normal did you have any issues and your lead up to when you had Mateo? Yeah, so um, 
I, well, basically I um, went to the doctors just to get a general checkup and I was sort of explaining that I felt like I always needed to go to the bathroom a lot. And he was like, let's get an ultrasound on your uterus and just check and make sure everything's okay. And in the ultrasound, uh, you could see that I had a very bulky uterus with fibroids. And I was like, oh, I'm not too sure how fibroids and pregnancy work because I wasn't pregnant at the time, but my partner and I were sort of talking about the fact that if we fell pregnant, we would, you know, be quite happy about that. Okay. And um, we were willing to start trying in the next sort of few months, but just rolling with it at this point. And then I'd booked an appointment with my doctor to get a follow-up and sort of talk about how fibroids and pregnancy worked. And then I fell pregnant. So you didn't know anything about having a baby with fibroids? No, I knew nothing. I didn't even know what a fibroid was. I had to Google it and they do not look pretty. So maybe don't Google it if you don't know. And you fell pregnant, but in general, Mm. is it normal? Like people with fibroids do fall pregnant? Yeah, people with fibroids do fall pregnant. But I mean, the doctors constantly would say to me, oh my gosh, I do not know how you fell pregnant. And also not only falling pregnant, but carrying for as long as I did up to 28 weeks. um, Because I had, and fibroids are hormonal as well. So they grow with, you know, the hormones and pregnancy hormones. They grew. So... Uh, They never actually measured them in that initial scan. But um, in my pregnancy scans, I had two fibroids that measured uh, 11 centimeters in diameter. And they were at the bottom of my uterus. And then I had a lot of smaller fibroids as well. So I remember the surgeon saying, there's hundreds of fibroids in your uterus. And he wouldn't, he couldn't even count those that many. So yeah, I definitely have a bulky uterus. (laughs) I don't know anything about fibroids. I've heard a couple friends who had fibroids. And in fact, one of my colleagues very recently had a baby and she said she had fibroids and she did get surgery and have them removed whilst she had the when she had the baby. Wow. See, I don't even know about getting surgery while being pregnant. That was an option that was never presented to me. No. So you have just found out that you have fibroids and then you fall pregnant. So I'm imagining you did not have enough time to treat those fibroids. Exactly. And I guess if I knew what I know now, you know, we might have been a bit more careful. But like I said, I didn't know. I didn't think it would impact the way it ended up impacting. So I had the ultrasound, saw the fibroids and was like, oh, yeah, all good. I guess I'll just have a follow up with my doctor. He didn't really steer me away from falling pregnant. He was just sort of like, look, he gave me a bit of a game plan. You know, we booked a follow up appointment and um, yeah, I fell pregnant in that time. My goodness. So you had hormonal issues with fibroids and then you would have hormones with your pregnancy. Just in general. Yeah. Oh, my God. 100%. I mean, I swear I was so hormonal when I was pregnant. I just remember crying for no reason and just getting so frustrated because I was so uncomfortable my whole pregnancy. You know how women sometimes say, oh, do you wish they were back in your belly? Like, do you miss being pregnant? I'm like, you know what? As beautiful a process it is to grow that little being, I was so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, it felt like I could barely take a full breath from the start. And when I was, um, say, 20 weeks, I literally looked like I was nine months pregnant. I was 
so huge. Like my stomach was like tight and big and I was just yeah, in so much discomfort. It was not comfortable at all. Oh, I yeah. feel you, hon. I feel you. I remember I was at work and I was trying to keep it hush hush because I um, I actually had a miscarriage just before I fell pregnant. So I was really cautious to share the news with people mm. and um, I wanted to wait until I was 12 weeks to share, you know, as we all sort of wait for that safe point. And um, I was that huge because of my fibroids that I was only like nine weeks and people at work were commenting and talking about it in the office fully sussing me out because even though I wore the baggy dress and all the things it was that obvious my belly Mm. and now that you know hindsight is a beautiful thing now that you have hindsight do you feel like you had any symptoms before Matteo was born like leading up to the birth of Matteo do you feel your symptoms changed at all um what do you mean my symptoms changed like with the fibroids with the fibroids with the discomfort um you know you were 28 weeks when you had Matteo leading up to those weeks you felt differently just before he arrived I guess the tightness that I felt like how I was sharing that I felt uncomfortable and discomfort that just got worse like Mm. completely and the day before he my water broke I remember thinking like I actually don't know how I'm going to make it like if this is how I feel now Mm. how am I going to feel at you know 30 plus weeks and to think of it you you were supposed to carry him for another 12 weeks oh my gosh and it only gets harder and the discomfort just increases the more you progress in your pregnancy because the moment I hit 35 weeks I was visibly in discomfort I was angry I was cranky I just (laughs) couldn't I just couldn't do it and I still remember when she finally arrived when she was out the pressure that I was feeling all the time within a microsecond of her coming out the pressure was gone gosh I actually had a scare a few days before So I had Mateo right on 28 weeks and I ended up in hospital at like 27 weeks and like five days or something. And uh, yeah, because I was feeling funny, I couldn't feel him move as much and I was actually having like tightenings in my uterus. Mm. And I kid you not, I was like demanding to get discharged because I was like, I'm not having the baby. Like it's too early. This is nothing. It's fine. And I had to stay two nights um, in the hospital and they were monitoring me and they weren't quite sure what was happening because I was having tightenings, but like there was nothing else. Like the baby wasn't coming. My cervix was still closed. So they were like, well, we'll we'll just discharge you. And then, yeah, my water broke. So he was actually doing things a few days before as well. Okay, so that was probably the change, the symptoms just before he arrived. Exactly. I didn't even think of that when you Mm. asked me. So your instincts and your gut might be telling you something's not right and you go to the hospital and you were right. Exactly. The poor girl that I was training at work, I'd only been training her for just over a week. And I said, oh, I just need to go to the hospital for a checkup. I think I'm just feeling a bit off. You know, when your instinct just says something needs to be looked at yes yep and i didn't go back to work (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay so you're in surgery you're having your little boy tell me about that process i mean 
were were you able to hold him and have skin to skin with him after he was born or was he just straight in the NICU? Um, so first of all, when I was in hospital and they were deciding if they were going to do the surgery because they sort of wanted to act quite quickly, I needed three consultants to discuss how my surgery was going to go because none of them had actually seen um, a pregnancy like mine before no one had seen fibroids this large in pregnancy this far along so I'm a bit nervous at this point so they're all discussing oh we'll cut here we'll cut there you know literally planning in the moment trying to figure it out and then I'm on the table and they yeah it was still the planning was happening I'm lying then you can hear everything and the sheets up and the um, consultant goes oh um let's cut this way and the other consultant goes no 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 because we'll get a fibroid and she'll bleed out <laughs> and so they go oh well we'll cut down here oh no that's too low oh we need to cut up here no that's a good height because Mateo was literally lying at the top of my stomach it was all fibroid down the bottom so they oh. had to cut quite high up and I had to have a lot of anesthesia and I remember saying to the um what is, anesthetic I need this and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm not good with my my terms. <laughs> so I had to have a 24-hour epidural in just for the pain relief. And um, I actually remember lying in bed after thinking, oh, this doesn't feel that painful. Like I'm feeling pretty good. And my partner goes, you are, are on so many drugs right now, so much pain relief. You cannot feel a thing. But yeah, so I had the surgery and Matteo, um, yeah, he, he came out not breathing. So they took, I think it actually took a few minutes for them to get him breathing. He didn't come out crying or anything like that. Mm. So I have a video on my phone actually, which I watch it and I still cry to this day because they sort of, they're trying to, you know, um, help him breathe and you can hear the sigh in all of the doctor's breaths when they when he starts breathing. Like, thank gosh, like they were worried. I'm taking a sigh right now because oh my goodness. Yeah, it that was is hard. It was hard. And then um so I'm fully drugged up and they are not on a lot of pain relief. And I get taken um to the nurses just to get checked up on and everything like that. And then they take me into Mateo who's already in the NICU, he's being cleaned up and whatever. And um, I actually don't even remember meeting him for the first time because I was so on drugs. One of the nurses took a photo of me lying in, like they wheeled me around in the bed. There's photo evidence that I met him, but I don't remember because I was just so out of it. So I had him at 5.40 on a Sunday and it was like the Tuesday morning I could go see him. And I just remember feeling actually quite disconnected. And that's really hard for me to say because he is my absolute world. But yeah, in that moment I felt disconnected. You were probably also feeling helpless I didn't quite feel grounded. I think I got discharged after three days. So I only spent two nights in hospital. No, sorry, three nights in hospital. And um, man, that car ride home, boy, I have never shed so many tears. Like just, and not only that, but it hurt to cry because of my stitches. And I had a classical 
cut. So I've got it. It's in the middle of my stomach. Up That's and what down. I was going to ask. It was challenging because, I mean, it was amazing to be home and have home-cooked food and, and be in your own bed. Oh, in my comfort while I was healing physically. Oh, dear. So I actually couldn't go to the hospital for like two, two, three days. So I was in physical pain and emotionally I was just wrecked. So my partner, Alan, saw Mateo uh, every single day and would send me videos and uh, just <laughs> I just remember Alan saying to Mateo, Mummy loves you. Mummy's going to... Mummy's going to come and see you soon. And I just replayed those videos and I just felt so guilty for not being able to be there with him and not see my son. And he was just, you know, he was with amazing nurses and support. But to me, he was alone because I wasn't with him. Yeah. I know. Breathe. Breathe. I know it's. It's tough to experience the same feelings again. I haven't actually cried since he came home because it's like I've just blocked it out. Mm. And even just talking about these little moments, it does bring it back up. He was in NICU for 10 weeks. I visited him every single day once I could, you know, get in the car and... I just sat with him eight hours every day. I would read to him. I could, you know, he went through a lot of different milestones. And um, the hardest thing was just sitting there alone, though, for all those hours. And I would see other mums sitting in their chairs. Most of us just mind our own business because we're, you know, sitting there grieving and not really grieving, but just feeling sad we we have our own emotions and we're processing it in our own way we're not always like we don't go in there feeling like oh let's socialize let's have a chat we're just with our baby having quality time so um as much as that's what we sort of felt like we had to do it was hard not having anyone to talk to that was going through i remember feeling so alone when your child is in NICU you have this emotional exhaustion and anxiety, right? And you just do not want to talk to somebody else because you are so afraid of what's going on with your own baby. You you don't have the mental capacity or the emotional capacity to share somebody else's grief or sorrow or anxiety or sadness. Nobody wants to talk. I myself did not want to socialize and talk to anyone. I was so afraid. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. And it probably took me maybe five weeks, maybe even six weeks before I could actually be there without crying. I know this might be difficult, but can you share what did Mateo go through? Because I I respect Mm. and understand what you're going through over here. At this point, you're lonely, you're sad, you're alone, you're perhaps a little bit angry as well. What about your little boy? What was he going through? What sort of medical treatments was he having? Yeah, well, that's an awesome question, actually. So um, every single day was like a new, um, new milestones and new achievements for Mateo. So first of all, he was born at 1.1 kilos. Um, and I think 27, yeah, 27 centimeters long. 
and he needed like assisted breathing up until say up till like eight weeks so he had two weeks breathing on his own holy crap whenever they would <laughs> test him off the breathing support boy i did not leave his side i was like i don't care if i need to wee i am not leaving this child I'll watch his stomach rise and fall and i'm like i'm not leaving and the nurses would go aladia you can you go eat like have you had lunch and i'm like nope not happening but anyway Back to his, you know, his journey. Um, <laughs> so basically every single day would be something different and it would be, it would start with, um, so I was expressing, I was pumping, so I would be giving him my breast milk. So his intake of milk would increase. So, mm. you know, his stomach is growing and then they started to, not every baby has fortified milk, but I opted to have his milk fortified. So a little bit of formula in there, I guess. What sort of machines were connected to him? Like, tell us how, what did he have to be assist breathing, to assist his lungs? So um, Mateo was on a CPAP. And CPAP stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. Okay. So basically it just um, delivers normal air to Mateo's airway at a set pressure and it just keeps his airway open and prevents airway obstruction. So he was never on oxygen, but it was just basically airway pressure. Okay. See, I didn't know about these things. And I guess that's because of my... It was a constant learning. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a CPAP. Any other things that he needed? Like, um, did he have a feeding tube? Did he feed from you? Yeah. So, no, he was on a feeding tube actually up until three days before he was discharged. And the feeding tube was in his mouth okay. um, because he had the CPAP on his nose. And then, um, yeah, week by week, the doctors would do their rounds every single morning. And um, he did have fairly strong lungs considering how premie he was. Um, I did have the steroid injection before he was born, which That's awesome, which must have helped. It helps, yeah. Their lungs develop quickly, so you know that was a godsend that I was actually had that scare a few days before and was able to get those steroids. Um, and then yeah, he had a bit of jaundice, like a lot of babies do. So he was under the blue light for a couple of days, and um, yeah, he was um. He had monitors attached to him and yeah, every single, uh, they're called braddies. Okay. And I was too nervous to ask what a braddy meant because like I was just still getting my confidence. And like I said, I was just constantly emotional. So I found it hard to even talk. But I remember the nurses saying, oh, you know, they'll give me an update and say, he only had one bratty today or not. Well, it was a long time before he only had one bratty, but they'll say like one bratty every 30 minutes or whatever it was at the time. And I just thought, was he just being naughty? Like, <laughs> can it, is that <laughs> like, I had no idea. Oh, you think of it as a brat. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, okay. Like, was he just like crying a lot and really unsettled? You're, you're wondering how does a preppy baby become naughty? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yes, when I finally built up the, the strength, the confidence to ask what, you the know, courage, yeah. yeah, what a bratty meant. So there's three lines on the on the um, monitor and one of them is for their braddies and <laughs> the naughty levels yeah then when they're naughty oh my gosh <laughs> so embarrassing but anyway that's the truth it's not embarrassing <laughs> we we 
you are not a doctor and you shouldn't know what a brandy is. <laughs> no. <laughs> and um, the good thing is, is like he had a different nurse every 12 hours. So if I sort of forgot what one of the terms were, I could just ask a different, a nurse, different nurse every single day. Oh, yes. I was like, can you explain this to me again? Because every nurse would explain it in a different, different way. Different way, yes. Um, but basically a bratty is actually called a bradycardia and it's just a slow heart rate. So, well, just a slow heart rate. My heart stopped every time he had a bradycardia. <laughs> you had your own bradycardia. I know. We had one together <laughs> literally because like when you hear the machine beep and yeah. the nurses all rush over, especially in like his first few weeks when he was really little, every time he had a bratty, um, he was actually really good. He pulled himself out of them a lot. So if a baby has a bratty and um, the nurses have to really stimulate the baby to bring like to bring their heart rate back up, that makes that would make me really nervous. And um, Matteo, thankfully, a lot of the time he brought himself back out. And man, the amount of nights I would go to sleep and just really hope that he would get through because I again, didn't have a lot of knowledge, didn't know anyone with a preemie baby. Mm. Um, it was a lot, but far out, he's a warrior boy. He just, he made so many moves. He didn't take too many steps backwards. He did, um, you know, his feeds would increase, his braddies would become less. I've got one hot tip for any NICU mom would be to keep a notebook. Often they'll give you one and you can just write their progress. Every day you can write down um, how much their formula or, formula or breast milk has increased by. You can write down how many braddies they've had or how many DSATs. And DSATs just means it's their oxygen levels. So um, it basically means that the saturation, like their oxygen levels are dropping. So um, yeah, it's very common for NICU babies to have these desaturations and I guess like when you see the progress and because you're noting down everything it would give you that hope right it would keep on giving you that hope no my baby's getting better he is fighting she is fighting this is where we are working on this together yeah that is exactly what it would do because I had a lot of spare time so if I wasn't just staring at him constantly I would be flicking back in the book and going oh my gosh I remember when he was only taking like five mills of breast milk and now he's taking much more than that so Absolutely. he'd be on 10 or whatever that whatever it was and yeah especially when he would be having like 10 braddies a day and then it would go down to like go down to like two and then one and yeah it was huge to be able to reflect on that so he went from the CPAP to the high flow which is the same idea as a CPAP where it just puts uh, that airway pressure, but it is less pressure. So mm. that is another milestone where he would move forward. Yeah, he's progressing. He's progressing, yeah. yes. And then, oh my gosh, this is something that uh, was a huge part of my journey. Towards the end of uh, Mateo's stay, he was transferred to a hospital that was closer to my home. Now, at the time, I was so nervous, like genuinely, yeah, really scared, to yeah. be honest, even though it was closer because to home. Because technically, now you're getting to a outside a comfort zone. So he was born 2021 in October. So okay. COVID is in its peak, I guess. There, oh, was, wow, yeah. high, there was a lot of restrictions. Um, so he was moved to this new hospital. 
I personally was not vaccinated at the time. Um, so I called his new hospital that he was being transferred to and they said that um, nothing would change and that I was able to see my baby. The only thing is there was only one parent at a time. Oh. And then, but I was like, okay, we can handle that. I arrived the next day, his first full day there, and the nurses pulled me aside and said, because I'm not vaccinated, I can only see him for two hours a day. And that isn't just me. That's my partner and I. So if I see him for two hours, Alan could not see him that day. We could share the two hours so we could have an hour each. He was transferred a few days before Christmas. So I pictured my Christmas day as being with my son all day, just in hospital. I was furious and I thought, how on earth can I start to breastfeed or learn how to breastfeed with two hours a day? It just wasn't possible. It's not. So I had no choice but to start bottle feeding him. I called the nurses every two to three hours. How did he go in his bottle? How did he go in his bottle? Mm. I was so determined to get him bottle fed so I could just bring him home and learn how to breastfeed with yes. him in my own home. Wow. So that was quite a journey. Your journey with fibroids and pregnancy and then your journey with NICU stay. If there are mums who have fibroids through through their pregnancy or who've just found out about fibroids do you have any advice for them just see your doctor and not only that but do your own research as well because it's really important to know what is happening inside your body but having a really good game plan with a good obstetrician made a world of difference and um where are you now with your fibroids if you don't mind me asking I actually had an ultrasound a week or two ago and they have shrunk. So my two 11 centimeter ones are now, I think she said four or five centimeters. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but I still, she was like, you have a very bulky uterus still, like all the small ones are still there. Um, But the two bigger ones are, yeah, have reduced significantly in size and I am just about to start a, um, a cleanse with my doctor and, um, I'd love to share more, but we actually haven't started it yet because I needed to wait until I wasn't breastfeeding as much to go on this particular um, plan to help reduce my fibroids. But they're still there. Um, It causes still a bit of discomfort, but... We can always touch base whenever you've started or when you're... I'd love to share. And tell me, where's Mateo now? I mean, the warrior boy who went through 10 weeks of NICU and came out of it. Tell me, how is he doing now? Oh my gosh, he's nearly 10 kilos. Oh wow. He's 10 months. Yeah. (laughs) So he'll be one in October. Oh my goodness. How do I have a nearly one-year-old? How? What? Oh, I cannot believe it. He's very healthy. No, he has got no um, health conditions yeah, from being a preemie baby at all. I did notice his immune was a little bit weaker. Like he has been, um, he's been on well, like literally three times in 10 months. So not a lot, but considering he was fully breastfed up until recently, um, I was a bit surprised. Otherwise, nothing. Great. And um, where is your mental health at? Great question. Um, it is 
is a work in progress. I feel like I've got some PTSD, hey, just mm. like being able to like leave him and I'm about to start back at work next week and just the thought of leaving him brings me back to the days when he'd be in NICU and I would watch his beautiful little face as I had to turn the other way and go yeah. home. Yeah. So it sort of brings up leaving him, you know, yeah. like I had to in NICU. So just working through that. But, you know, I'm good. He lights up my whole world. Like. He is a very <laughs> cute baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love how you go, let me just hold Mateo because you forget how heavy he is. I do. And honestly, I am... I hold him more often because I want to see how strong my arms are getting. <laughs> Every time I'm like exercising with Eliza, I'm like, oh, I'm getting stronger. And then I, I hold Mateo and I'm just like, oh, I'm not as strong as I thought. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But yeah, he is going to be, I'm, I'm going to be borrowing him for that next step up for my weight. <laughs> Who needs a gym when you have multiple babies? <laughs> uh, I know, exactly. I love that. For anyone who is interested in, asking some more questions or who wants to share their stories slide into our dms we would love to share your stories as well we're looking for other mums to tell us what their journey was like we just want to be able to have a platform where every mum and dad this is for parents, actually, not just for mums we're gonna get the dads on here at one point, won't we? Yes, I mean after. I think the third episode, I we we're gonna get the dads to come and talk about yeah their journey. We still have to get their consent, but um they don't know it yet. <laughs> They'll be on here very soon. I think they're a bit nervous. I I spoke to <laughs> Kyle about it, and he 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 nodded and he said. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't really ask Alan. I sort of just told him. I said, "This is what's happening, and it's gonna be great." <laughs> it will be interesting because both Alan and Kyle they are really gentle, quiet, keep to themselves <laughs> kind of people. So. I think this is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please slide into our DMs. Give us feedback. We are open to whatever is out there. Yes. Um, and if you want us to talk about a topic that you're interested in, we will do the research. And um, yeah, we're really looking forward to interacting more with everyone. So please share. <laughs> I know, share this podcast with everyone. Share with your friends, your mom, your dad, like whoever you want to shared with and talk to or even a stranger on the road why not thank you so much for your time we really value you taking this time out and listening to us have a chat and share yeah. our story so uh see you next time thank you bye, bye.